Let us pray. Gracious loving God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for this chance to praise you. We give you thanks for your word. God, guide us that we may be stewards of the task at hand. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. 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 Good evening, friends, and welcome to yet another edition of Scripture Talk. Uh, it is a joy as ever uh, to be here uh, with y'all as we uh, continue on in our uh, never-ending adventure of uh, home streaming, home podcasting, um, and all of that. Uh, I am Pastor Trey Comstock. With me as ever is Go Brandy. Sister Brandy Dudley, good evening. Go Scott. Pastor Scott Ketchup. Hello, Internet Land. Go, Stacy. Stacy Tyler. And this is a Scripture Talk. It is our uh, weekly show all about Scripture, all about the Scripture we're going to be kind of preaching on that week and, and trying to start to dig in to see what it has for us. Um, and this week is another one of those Scriptures where we are kind of looking at a scripture, but in a way we are looking at a whole book. So back when we did, we did Esther a little while ago, back in May. And I pulled a chapter in, ver, you know, chapter in a small set of verses from Esther, because that's a convenient chunk to preach on. You're not going to stand up. I guess you might, but you probably shouldn't just like stand up in front of the congregation. And now we're going to read the book of Esther. It's funny when you do it with Philemon, because you have to, um, because it is, you just read all of Philemon, but Philemon is incredibly short. Esther's multiple chapters. You're not going to sit up there and read Esther. And so this week we're doing the book of Jonah. We're doing Jonah chapter two, verses one through 10. But realistically, Jonah is one story. And to get what you need to get out of Jonah, just looking at one verse or one passage from Jonah doesn't make sense. And so we'll be talking more generally about the book of Jonah, as well as digging into the kind of words in the kind of pulled text. Because again, um, this, you, you can't read, you know, what are you, and then he's in a whale, shark, fish, whatever. <laughs> it only makes sense when he gets out of it and whatever. So anyways, I give you uh, Jonah chapter two, verses one through 10. Then, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, I called called to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. You cast me into the deep, into the heart, heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. How shall I look again upon your holy temple? The waters closed in over me. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars close upon me forever. You brought me up to life from the pit. O Lord, my God, as my life was ebbing away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who worship vain idols forsake their true loyalty. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Deliverance belongs to the Lord. Then the Lord spoke to the fish, and it spewed Jonah out upon the dry land. Help me, help me. Yeah, well, you know. Uh, Jonah Smelling asking for so help. wonderful. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, we could, you know, one of the interesting questions about Jonah is, was it a fish? Who cares? A, probably a whale. B, they didn't know whales weren't fish. C, doesn't matter. Um, what's interesting about Jonah is Jonah is, as a biblical character, is wonderfully reluctant 
right? He's given this task by God to go declare damnation on Nineveh or whatever, and he doesn't want to do it because they're powerful and he doesn't want to deliver the bad news. And so he hides from it, does whatever he can to get away from it. And he ends up in the belly of a fish. And then he gets, he comes to literally comes to God, has a come to Jesus meeting, right. Um, And gets spit out from the fish and goes and does it. Um, And it is Jonah's own fault that he ended up in the fish. Um, Yes. You know, God had a hand in it, but in the end, Jonah didn't do what Jonah was supposed to do. So he ended up in the fish and there in the fish in timeout, he realizes what he needs to do. And that's when he gets spit out. And so this is Jonah. Jonah got sent into the belly of a fish to think about what he did. And this is Jonah having thought about what he did, realizing maybe that's not the thing I'm going to do anymore. You know, there's a timeout method that all parents would uh, find almost 100% successful, spending several days in a fish to contemplate what you did. But um, I don't know. Logistically, I just don't know how you'd manage to do it. Where are you going to find a big, consistently find big enough of a fish? Actually, I know the answer to that question. So the Atlanta Aquarium, um, (laughs) the Georgia Aquarium in Atlanta has whale sharks um, on permanent display. Those are big fish. Right. Uh, and, and I've heard tales of catfish uh, around the uh, base of the uh, Richland Chambers Dam, but uh, who knows? But uh, the issue being that in all of this, what I think is amazing in this, yes, we, we see his repentance, we see this crying out, but he's not really throwing as much of a fit about where he's at, which, I mean, let's think about it. Whether it was a whale or a fish or whatever, you're in the digestive tract of said animal. Right. It has to be unpleasant beyond just the smell aspect of it. it there is probably some amount of pain involved, I would imagine, just from the Most stomach Most digestive or even, runs on acid, yeah. Yeah, but he's upset about, oh my gosh, I'm cast out of your presence. You know, uh, and and we see this true, what the true heart of repentance should be, I think. It's not just the, the difference in repentance and being sorry that you caught doing wrong things. Uh, get, get what I'm saying? A lot of times, you know, people get caught and they're, they're sorry they're caught. Well, I'm, I'm sorry I did that, but no, not really, you know, hashtag sorry, not sorry. Whereas yeah. here we see, okay, it's not just my actions and I'm not sorry that I'm in a bad position because of the consequences. I'm sorry of what may ultimately come of this in regards to my relationship with God. Now, let me ask you a question on that, Scott. Does it count if you're, if you do something you know is wrong and uh, you can look at it either two ways, I guess my question is, if you know in your heart you've done it, and it's wrong, but you're sorry for it uh, versus uh, doing something and not feeling any kind of remorse for it at all. I mean, is well, there a so the, line so, there? Or? So the remorse, so feeling remorse is in some ways God at work in your life, right? So mm-hmm. what gets secularly called your conscience is realistically, we know it to be the voice of God, the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. The Holy, right. The, the, you know, the, you know, there, your conscience is, you know, God in your life. It's one of those, one of those things that I think C.S. Lewis talks a fair amount about, about understanding the like ways that we are kind of pre-programmed for a life with God. Um, 
And so your conscience is a part of that, right? Call it your conscience. That's the Holy Spirit tugging on you, right? John Wesley would describe it as God's prevenient grace. And so certainly feeling bad about it functions in part that's God convicting us to hopefully lead us to repentance. The, The challenge comes not so much from do you feel bad about it or not is two things. One is, you know, are you going to actually seek God's strength to help you repent, right? So it's not just God does forgive us, and then God gives us the, sends the strength into us to seek to not do that again. It's whether we rely on that strength or try to rely on our own strength uh, where we get into trouble. The other piece of it is, uh, and this has come up, this comes up a fair amount, um, at least in my preaching, is so you, sin is not... I know I'm going to be forgiven, so I'm just going to do this, um, and I know I'll be forgiven, so like, what's the big deal? Well, two things. One, that doesn't take how seriously sin still is, even after the resurrection of Christ. B, that's not a particularly loving way to treat God, right? You know, oh, I love you, Lord, but I'm going to continually betray you, and then continually ask your forgiveness. If you did that to your spouse, that spouse would leave you right? Um, if you did that to your parent, like your parent would have some real serious conversation with you. Like that is not, so it is making sure that, and, and this is Jonah, right? Like, and, and this kind of reflects on, on, uh, on, on what, where Jonah is, is okay. You know, Jonah knew what he was doing was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, he comes back to God and then he goes and does differently and actually does the thing uh, that God asked him to do. But it is not a particularly loving way to treat God to say, hey, you know, I know I'm going to be forgiven, so I'll just go and do whatever. Not how this works. So it's like the proverbial get out of hell free card we're always talking about. Yeah, you know, uh, Paul Paul addresses that when he's talking about, you know, know, where uh, sin abounds, grace abounds even more. Does that mean that we just sin so that there'll be more grace and no and he says that he says no. literally by no means right yeah the actual actual <laughs> biblical phrase is by no means right and 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 nice way of saying hell no okay um, no. yeah and so the, the the i think where the difference comes in that you know of where you're, you're asking you know is is that attitude of the heart you know, it's one thing to just keep doing something and I'll just say sorry. And then my plan is I'm going to keep doing this and keep saying sorry. There's not really a change. That's the hashtag sorry, not sorry. Versus Bonhoeffer would call cheap grace, right? Yes, cheap grace. Whereas that's a difference in Mm -hmm. someone who has a struggle because there are sins that people struggle. They have true remorse. They have true repentance and then they fall back in the struggle. You know, and, and that may be repetitive and they don't want to stay there, but they're actively making efforts to change and stop that. And I think that's where the difference is, is the attitude of the heart. Well, and are you actively to trying to do we something? Were... To... Go ahead. Go ahead, Brittany. My grandma used to say when we were coming, at, coming up, a hard head makes a soft, you know what? Because... <laughs> <laughs> Jonah was hard-headed. Plain and simple, the boy was just hard-headed. God was trying to tell him to do something, and he didn't want to do it. So that was the hard-head part. So to solve, you know, what was him in that well trying to get it, you know, get itself right here. Because mm-hmm. you're going to keep on and keep on doing it, you're going to get your butt whooped. 
And he got a boo-boo. I mean, quite literally, he had to sit and mm-hmm. would presumably just sit in a vat of acid inside the stomach of a whale and or a shark. Uh, th- think of those uh, the, the lyrics of the song. I believe it was on the Jesus Freak album by uh, DC Talk. Of some people got to learn the hard way. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, 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 uh-huh. But it le- but I think part of what happens here is Jonah does learn, right? And what makes this story, what, what makes the story a fit? So this we're doing. Um, I walked the line by Johnny Cash. Um, is the song this week for those of you who are going to either tune into worship at 11 o'clock on Sunday or be in person for worship at 9, 3, and 11. Um, uh, David Cargill, uh, who is naturally more of a country guy uh, than a rocker, uh, but is yeah. stuck in this rock band with Chad and Joey. Um, and Chad, Joey, and Jason, and Kim. Um, is finally going to get to do some country. Um, and I picked this song specifically for him and partly because I, I really, you know, have a deep fondness for Johnny Cash. And I think looking at the story that song tells um fits well with this but also that i think jonah is a good picture of like a a realistic kind of christian or realistic god follower life where sometimes there isn't there is an ask from god that you don't want to do and running from that doesn't work out for you and the question becomes, are you going to keep running from it or are you going to turn and face what God has for you? And what Jonah does is sets the example of turning and facing what God has for us, even if it seems difficult, and it works out okay for Jonah in the end. His task is not nearly as onerous as he thought it was going to be. Um, and if it does go on to repent, it works out just fine. All right. But what he um, still oh, thrown off while he was doing it, he he still didn't want to, but he did it oh, sure, anyway. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, sure. yeah. It goes goes on, and he he goes up to the top to sit and watch, hoping to get to see the fire fall from heaven and destroy him, and still has to have a little object lesson showed to him about mercy. Yeah, again, mm. I, but but that but that's one of the things that Jonah doesn't a hundred percent get it is actually one of the things I like about Jonah because Jonah's one of those biblical characters that rings true for me. That's how people really, people be like that sometimes, right? People are like that, where even after they say, okay, fine, I'll do it. Like, it doesn't then become, you know, a Hallmark movie where everything's great and he loves it and he's happy. I mean, certainly there are those kind of, you know, Christians people out there, um, but Jonah is not one of them. And so Jonah, I guess that's part of why Jonah rings true for me. Yeah. Mm. That makes me think of the parable Jesus tells of the uh, uh, two servants. The one that's told to go do something says that he will. And, you know, the first one is told to go do something. He comes up with a reason not to. Second one is told to do it. The one who says he will doesn't. The one who said he wouldn't decided that he would go and do it. And then he then asks his listener, which one did the will of the father, you know, and it was obviously the one who actually went and did what was asked to be done. And like you said, it gives us this idea that, you know, our walk doesn't have to be a hundred percent perfect. We don't have to pretend to be so gung ho and ready to go about doing everything that God understands it. Oh you know, boy. Right. <laughs> he understands oh where we are and can work with that. And the fact that that's probably the only reason I even get to be in ministry because you know, if, yeah, I, I miss it. My attitude isn't always the uh, best or how it should be. And yet God can, use me in spite of me you know right i mean my weaknesses become strengths through him right i mean Uh realistically i mean like like you were saying uh life isn't like a uh 
Everyday Life's not a David and Goliath episode. You know what I mean? It's it, it's real, and and you you stumble, you fall. I mean, there's well, that, I, like like Trace said, that, there's that one percent, you know, that maybe you know that they fall that straight and narrow for their whole life, and and there's know, a few and there's early. a few biblical characters that are that way, right? You know, and right. even for them, there's struggle, right? You know, Joseph, both of the Josephs. Um, get it right a fair amount of the time. One of the Josephs gets sold into slavery by his brothers and then falsely imprisoned. Um, you know, the other Joseph has to flee to Egypt because Herod's trying to kill Jesus. Um, and so for even for those folks who do tend to stay on the straight and narrow, um, it can be tough. But you brought up David and Goliath, um, and that is that interests me. Uh, there's a comment in the chat about King, do you don't want to be King Saul, um, who is king of, of Israel at the point <laughs> of that battle. Um, uh-huh. and Saul doesn't get it. He's the king. Saul doesn't get it. And this child, David and Goliath is not when David is King David. This is when David is a child. Um, and David gets it and Saul doesn't. Um, and even, yeah. And thank you, Joe. And even David struggled with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and, and so again, w- one of the joys of scripture to me is not just that, hey, it talks about God, although certainly that is part of the joy. The joy of scripture for me is it's a lot of imperfect people trying to make it work um, and sometimes getting it and sometimes not. Uh, And and Jonah and Saul and David um, all face consequences for where they stumble. Not necessarily, you know, know, in Jonah's case, it is kind of God putting him in quite literally a timeout. Um, you know, with David and Saul, it's a little different. Although Saul eventually loses, you know, loses God's blessing. Because he yeah. Loses the kingdom. Everything. Um, because he just yep. walks away from God. Uh, so they face consequences for it, but they also, just like David and Jonah, are able to find their way back if they seek it. You know, uh, which again uh, shows this is Old Testament, uh, yet it's showing that it's the same God, a God of second chances, third chances, continuing, you know, with that grace, even though, you know, that there is that being held to, hey, to an extent, when you step out of line, there is discipline, which isn't fun at the time, but it brings growth, it brings teaching, and it has to happen. He would not be a good father if he just let us run and do whatever the heck we wanted all of the time. You know, because for our own safety, that wouldn't be good. And so we see that example here being played out of what is the whole reason any of us have a chance that he keeps reaching out to us. He keeps giving us opportunities to get it right and even kind of guiding because even though he was in a timeout, his timeout helped him get back on track literally because he was in a moving timeout that, you know, yeah. Because he was throwing a boat that was going the opposite oh, yeah, yeah. direction. I forgot that part. Yeah, he was, swimming, yeah. He was literally, yeah. swimming, you know. Yeah, uh, he you was know, literally the going the opposite way. way. So he got stuck in timeout. And so when he was spit up, it's like, oh, by, by the way, I went ahead and brought you back to where you need to be. <laughs> so uh, go ahead and go over there. And I've always yeah, wondered, you know, because I, I don't remember and didn't see reading through it this morning, um, that he really got a chance to shower before having to go and talk. Well, you know, I, <laughs> hopefully, no, I, I assume no. that he would have. I assume you know, that somebody, he would have. Hygiene standards were different. 
He went right. as is because he threw no. him up on land, man. <laughs> Look, uh, you got to remember, a lot of people in the Middle Ages um, only showered like a couple times a year. So they actually, ooh, you know, they, bathe, you know, our modern bathing standards uh, just didn't necessarily exist uh, to quite the same degree um, in the ancient world. Um, there's also another wow. terrifying thing in chat. Um, apparently at the uh, Elephant Butte Dam, there are catfish the size of Volkswagens, which Whoa. is not okay. That's not okay. Yeah, um, I've heard I've heard that because I used to live <laughs> in New Mexico. But uh, there's also another thing I heard. Uh, West uh, West Texas uh, Possum Kingdom Lake. Um, they says they're they're catfish in there the size of pontoon boats. Yeah. No, also, also not okay. You know. Um. I. You know. I, I. I. wasn't thrilled about the killer hornets, and now I'm finding out they're a giant catfish, and this oh, is. Oh no. I, I. I am. I am. Uh, I'm not. I'm not all right. Well, well, and as long hearing, as they don't become land sharks, we're okay. And all this fair. you're hearing in your head, and in the background you're hearing that that song, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Uh-huh, to some yeah. extent. To some extent. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, the, the, the Cajun heritage, I'm thinking about that and going, you know how many fillets we can get out of one that size? <laughs> We've been no. eating for days, man. You would have to take a lot of prep to get him cleaned out, but... Uh, well, so kind of back to the scripture for a second, at least for a second. Like it's podcasting. Uh, digressions are a part of the game. I, I think part of what Jonah butts up against, and what all of us um, in our struggles um, with God butt up against, is the acceptance that our lives are not our lives for our own purposes. Yeah. Right. We not only do most people want to be the hero of the story, they want to think they're they're largely in control of their own destiny, right? Um, and certainly, we as Americans don't want the the government, in, you know, or some sort of tyrannical, you know, tyrannical governing force to determine our lives. We love freedom. Okay, yes, we love freedom from government tyranny, and that is freedom to follow God. But fundamentally, it is a freedom to follow God, meaning still a surrender of our lives just to an, you know, an all-loving, all-powerful God. We live to serve God's purpose. And, and, and Jonah butts up against, I don't want to. Okay, fine. Uh, but understand why you have life. Understand why you have the gifts you have, the abilities you have. Whether you choose to follow it or not is an entirely different thing. But our lives are not our own on a real fundamental level. And I'm glad God chastises us when we do wrong or we are hard-headed. That shows he's a responsible and good father. Because I don't want to be that child that just gets away with everything, thinking I can't get yeah. away. Let me know I'm doing wrong. Slap me around. Put me in a bed of the well and let me digest for three days. And then I'll get my mind right real quick. Right. I'll tell you, as a parent, like this is something I struggle with sometimes. Uh, so I spent a good chunk of the weekend um, feeling like a terrible parent uh, because uh, my son has weird habit of, you know, getting out of bed and wanting to come back into the living room late at night to hang out with us. Um, and I told him to go to bed and he wouldn't go back to bed. And I told him to go back to bed and I wouldn't let him go back to bed. And f- so the ultimate punishment with Thomas is takeaway television. That kid loves TV. Um, and we only let him watch a certain amount of TV because we, you know, try to be whatever hipster modern parents and, you know, 
maybe that makes us bad people, but we loaded them in a TV. And so I took away TV for like three days. And then I spent the rest, and you, like, you need to punish your kids, right? Like, yo, you need to punish your kid. There needs to be consequences. Um, but I, like, I, I'm sure that was hard for him. It was also hard for me because I felt like a jerk. Um, but it is necessary. Like we need those correctives, both for our children and as Christians. Like we need that. We need to hear, it cannot always just be, oh, you know, you're doing great. Here's a trophy. Sometimes you got to end up in the belly of that whale. That's right. right. You know, hey, going back to what holes Scott, builds character. Yeah. Yes. Uh, going back to, <laughs> yeah. Going back to what Scott was saying a while ago too. Um, can you imagine if like there, God just put us here and left us with no consequence or anything to our own devices? Okay. Um, we wouldn't be around here very long. <laughs> the, the whole world would be almost over, and he'd be like, "Well, why the heck did I even bother?" <laughs> you know. So I, but you know what? I wonder too. I when Jonah was sitting in that fish or the whale or whatever it was, I wonder what he was thinking. Like, gee, this is a fishy situation. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, we are seeing whatever it went. It it brought him to this place of realizing. Not only did I goof, but I goofed in a way that you know was causing a separation between me and God, which is what all sin is. Yeah. And sin is essentially us, you know, you know, the idea in, you know, New Testament, missing the mark, not doing something that brings us closer to God. And well, so, I, I didn't, but, it, but, it, but, you know, I take, you know, I talked about this in the sermon yesterday, yesterday, I've slept since then. That was yesterday. Yep. yesterday. Um, the network is fixed now. I can sleep again. Um, but sin is in some ways like an active betrayal of God. Yeah. Right. Like you, we, we, I, I think in some ways we, we've become too comfortable with that word sin, um, that it loses its weight. Oh, your sins are forgiven. Yeah. Well, okay. I, I swear sometimes and occasionally I drink too much and every once in a while I dance too close to my date. Those are sins. Now, so it's more than just like occasionally I'm a slightly impure. All sin is an active betrayal of God. And so what God is, forgiving you of is all those times you actively did like actively betrayed the love of god uh and yeah i mean certainly jonah it's a very active betrayal you so, know um it's in hebrews i believe from uh there's no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood that's right i mean there is a hefty weight to that and all uh, when you look at some of the wording about when it talks about the wages of sin it's talking about what has been earned and it's like what you said that uh it, it this we we take it real lightly but this is what literally caused jesus to have to go to the cross there was yeah. no other way around it it cost the god of all creation becoming man and dying for yeah. simple what we would look at as simple things of well i just don't really want to go to nineveh you know and again like i, I i'm i'm a maybe i'd be a better preacher if i was i'm not a big hellfire and brimstone guy Right. I, you know, right. uh, there's the, the great, you know, classic, you know, uh, great awakening, John, Jonathan Edwards sermon about sins, sinners in the hands of an angry God, that your the work, good works you do here on this planet is but a spider web over the chasm of the flames or whatever. I'm misquoting him. You're Scott, you're the English teacher. I taught math, um, but right. I, I'm, I, I, I'm on, I'm in the ballpark. Um, yeah, it's pretty close. I, you know, I clearly had an impact on me. And so I, I'm not, I always want to stress God's forgiveness. And I I always want to talk about, I always want to do the positive sell about what it is 
the joy that comes from being falling after God and the joy that comes from being set free from all of this. But I know, but one of the things that guys like me have been too guilty of is then cheapening what sin is and the seriousness of the problem. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I really think he mistitled it. It should have been hand, you know, sinners in the hands of a loving God. Cause even in his, he does paint this hard picture, but he talks about you've earned to be dropped in it, but you're not because you're being you're held not. in his hands. And, and that's the, the reality of it that we need to sometimes realize is that uh, no, we are deserving of that, but there's a reason we don't have to have all of that. And that's, he's a God of giving us chances and he's reaching out grace and hoping that we'll accept that before time runs out. I mean, and, 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 that, and, and Jonah gets that, right? What, what turns Jonah into a positive example for a Christian follower is he has landed in this terrible, he has landed himself in this terrible place. And his response is to at least at long last, finally cry out to God and go, yeah, all right, God, I get you. Okay. I, 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 I have separated myself from you and I shouldn't have, um, take me back. And God does. And God gives another shot at being prophet. Even if, even if he's a little begrudging, you know, God, God, is a forgiving God. There's always that second chance, that next chance. And, and Jonah gets it and takes it and runs with it. Um, and that's what turns Jonah into an example for us uh, rather than, um, you know, n- not so much because uh, he gets it together. And right. the, Jonah, the Jonah story also applies to us ministers because um, when I was being called by God, I kept saying, no, I don't want to do it. People kept telling me you ought to go into the ministry. No, I don't want to do it. So when I, I finally accept the call, somebody put a picture of Jonah and the whale on my Facebook page. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so I, mean, I think, you know, one of the, I, one of my professors at Candler would make fun of, of uh, seminary admission essays. Um, so actually, it's Professor Buccini. I've quoted him before. He signed, he's Brooklyn Sean Connery. He slurs his words like Sean Connery, but it's not quite... <laughs> Uh, you know, the core claim of Christianity is to have seen salvation, right? That's Dr. Bacini. And one of the things that Dr. Bacini would talk about is in reading all of our admissions essays is all of us tell the story of Jonah. And every prophet has that story, right? You know, Moses runs off into the wilderness, you know, Elijah goes and hides in that cave, um, and Jonah lands himself in the belly of a fish. Uh, What makes a prophet a prophet is not necessarily to be immediately willing, right? This is what makes Mary so special. Um, in the New Testament. Part of what makes Mary so special is the only thing that happens to Mary is she's a little confused. And shout outs to Mary, who wouldn't be? Um, (laughs) Right, what makes Mary remarkable is, you know, if you look at those we think of as prophets or those that we think of as as, as powerful speakers for God, and we can put Paul um, in this as well, is most, very few of them are immediately willing. They need that more, um, a stronger divine encounter. It's what they do after that stronger divine encounter that makes them who they are. Because every seminary admissions essay, apparently, is like, I got that call to ministry. And I guess I tell my story that way too, right? I ran from it for a decade. Um, I, you know, I got my call to ministry and I ran from it, blah, 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 blah. Um, and, and, and yet, finally, through the proof, I, through the confirmation, through the whatever, I, I, I got there. And so, uh, you know, it's no surprising, Brandy, that you ran from it too. Most do. Jonah did. 
Moses did, Elijah does, Paul does. Like they all, you know, it, it is more about what they, do, what you do. But it's more about finally getting it together at some point than being perfect right off the bat. Not everyone's the Josephs or Mary, right? You know, Mary gets it. It yeah. almost kind of reminds me of a, a thing my grandfather used to tell me growing up. He'd say, uh, he'd tell me, son, he goes, it's, it's not the mistakes you make. It's the lesson you learn from that mistake. And when you make that mistake again, is what defines you as a man. Mm. And mm. that kind of always stuck with me like, in, in the back of my mind every time. I, yeah, I, uh, I think about that psalm that talks about the righteous man falls seven times and then gets up. Eight. Mm-hmm. It, it's like that, you know, that, that idea of just complete failure, constantly falling, but doesn't stay there, keeps getting up, keep going forward. You know, there's a great comment in the a great comment in the chat from Joey um, talking about um, you know that at some point you've got to, you've got to draw the line and say okay I'm going I'm going to repent I'm going to do this and that's easier said than done and that's why God gives us strength and power to do that if we'll rely on it like we are not yeah. left to our own devices to find that strength we are able to find that strength in God um, and, and so part of the journey is coming to rely on that. And actually, I think I'll let that be uh, the last word for tonight's show. Um, thank you all so much for joining us, uh, you know, uh, on another edition of Scripture Talk. Uh, I, I'm always so thankful that we get to do the show um, and, and, and that this all works most of the time. If you have any feedback or want to tell your own story, uh, you know, email us, uh, pal- uh, Palestine at gmail.com. Post a comment here on Facebook, on our YouTube channel, on our website, uh, palestinegrace.com slash video. Uh, if you want an audio version of the show, just search Scripture Talk uh, by Grace Church um, in your podcatcher of choice, and we will be back with you with another show next week. So go in peace to love and serve the Lord. And remember, fear not, stay well. God is with us.